You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Ruben Mira, CEO of Engrave. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. I want you to take a second and look down. When was the last time you shaved your junk? It's been a while. Don't lie. Let's take a second to thank our sponsor, Manscaped, for holding you accountable to get rid of the funk and shave your junk. Not only am I the host of the Bitcoin.com podcast, I'm also a proud owner of the Perfect Package 3.0. From the hair below my waist to the hair on my back, this lawnmower keeps me at my best. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BCH or XRP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And make sure to use BCH or XRP. Your partner, your body, and even your balls will thank you. I'm your host, Dustin Planthold. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Welcome to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Thank you. How are you? Hi, Ruben. So, Ruben, you've started this company called Engrave. I mean, what is Engrave? Engrave, in a, in a nutshell, is a digital asset security company on a mission to radically improve your security and your ease of use when you are managing your cryptocurrencies or other digital assets. And you can be a end consumer, but you can also be a business, a crypto exchange, or even a bank in the future. Um, what we do is we make it easier for you to manage it and we make it radically more secure. But now I got to ask you, I mean, isn't it easier for me, a traditional consumer or retail investor, to just leave it where I bought it, leave it on a Coinbase or leave it on Kraken or one of the other exchanges out there? I mean, what is the yep. need? Why would I want to take it off? Yep. That is a perfect question. And um, I think the way we actually put it forward is we call it start truly owning what is yours. That is our tagline. And if you think about it, what happens if you buy, let's say, Bitcoin on an exchange is um, you actually don't buy any Bitcoin on an exchange. So the first thing you do, obviously, is you, you send euros or, or dollars to the exchange so that you actually have money to buy something with. And um, the exchange gives you a password to log on to the platform. They, um, and then what you can do is you can use that password. You can go on the platform and you can say, now I want to buy five Bitcoin. And I have euros on the platform, I buy five Bitcoin. But what really happens is um, a crypto account consists of a public key, that's your address, and a private key, and that is your password. And the one who owes, owns the private key is the one who actually owns the Bitcoin. And uh, as you know, the only thing you own is a password to the platform. So the exchange actually has all the private keys of every single potential crypto wallet there is. And eventually, to summarize that, it comes down to the exchange owns the Bitcoin because they have the private key and hence the password to the address. You just have a proxy. So you just have a password through which you can ask the exchange to do something for you. And that means that if you... Um, if in reality, exchanges can, from one day till the next, just vanish with everybody's money because they have the access keys, the private keys to everybody's uh, accounts. And if they don't do it, hackers beat them to it. So why shouldn't you leave it on an exchange? Basically because the money or the crypto is never at any point actually yours and it is at risk at all times. It is online and as long as it's online, somebody can find it, somebody can steal it and an exchange can actually just take it away, and um, there's nothing you can do about it. 
Matt, and I will tell you from, from a perspective of someone that's coming into the market, I mean, it's very intimidating, this digital asset space called cryptocurrencies, <laughs> that it is very scary and that they haven't had to think or worry about somebody hacking their bank accounts because they know the bank will make them whole. They haven't worried about someone stealing access to a credit card because they know the bank's going to typically make them whole. But now when you totally. buy these assets, you, in essence, must protect them and put them into a vault. So is that really what Engrave is? Is Are you creating a vault that only they have access to? Yeah, so obviously that's a really wide uh, area of discussion. But with, with, a, with a bank, it's true that, let's say, if you lose your PIN code, you can, you can ask a new one. But with a bank, it's also true, and that's the reason why Bitcoin came to existence, that if you... If tomorrow there is a big recession or a financial crisis, some banks go bankrupt and so on, um, it's if eventually it is the end user who loses. And let's take the example of Greece. You can't even do a bank run. You can't say, I want all my money back because they will say, sorry, but the uh, limit to the day is 50 euros. Um, and in, in other cases, people just lost everything they had. So that's the reason why Bitcoin came to existence. And let's say exchanges came also with this decentralized uh, version of um, we want to have people own the network yeah? and all these people can basically play, play a part in that um, so that there is no centralized entity that can actually make you lose your, your crypto. Um, that's all in theory, because in practice today, exchanges are decentralized. Centralized, they have your password and they can actually do the same as, as a bank could, but they can do that in the extreme because banks are more regulated. Um, what we offer indeed is, uh, like I said before, the means to start truly owning what is yours. So what does that mean? It means that the first thing you need to do when you have a wallet, let's call it the Bitcoin wallet, is you have the address, but you also have the private key. And the private key is, like I said, the access um, key, the secret access key to your wallet. And only if you have that, you are the owner of the wallet. But then the question becomes, is there anybody else who has the private key or is it just you? If somebody else has it as well, you are not tr uh, truly owning your assets because somebody else is doing as well. Um, and so in our, in our vision, strat um, security is a end-to-end -end, um, story. So everything from the very beginning till the very end of what a user can do with their money, it should be in there, it should be protected, and it should be easy. The first thing is, how do I create a private key? How do I create... Um, a unique code that nobody else will ever have seen or will ever have access to. And what's important to know in the crypto space is that your address, which is called a public key, that it is actually derived from your private key. So the only thing you need to know is your Bitcoin private key. If you know that, then you can actually calculate or it will be done automatically, uh, the address on which the Bitcoin is stored. And it all comes down, therefore, to how do I create my private key? That's the first thing. If you do that right, then at least you can already go into that first step of starting to, to own what's really yours. Um, but even there, the whole industry fails today. There is not a single solution that can do it right. So let's say exchanges, that's pretty clear. Uh, say they make the uh, keys, but they keep them for themselves. So you don't own any private keys. Hot wallets, they make the key, they show it to you on the screen. And basically, um, if there is a hacker beneath, uh, behind me looking also at my screen, they also know the key. Um, if I, for example, um, let's say take the piece of code that I received from a hot wallet, put it on my computer, a hacker can find it. It's very easy. Um, so the only thing that actually makes sense to do this is a hardware wallet. And a hardware wallet is a physical device that actually um, allows you to 
well, in theory, completely offline, create such a key. And the beauty about a private key is that if you do not know my private key, you can never brute force it. You cannot guess it. You cannot try it with a supercomputer. There are too many possible uh, possible values. So to give you an example there, there are 256 bit different values or 10 to the 80th power. That's the same as the number of atoms in the universe. Wow. So basically, if somebody, if a, yeah, if a computer tries to guess your key, they're trying all the possible atoms in the universe and simply impossible. It's unfathomable. Um, but if they can find it by looking over your shoulder, that's the only thing hackers have to do today. Um, so hardware wallets are the only thing that comes close to um, making such a key. And um, they use a specific process that is called true random number generation, um, or in brief, TRNG. Um, this process is a process that is um, has been um, developed and has evolved over the last decades. So there are special chips that make just that a, a, a truly strong key. Um, they make a key that is statistically unique, that is also random, so it's unpredictable which key it will be, regardless of what the input will be um, into the process. And putting all of that together, you will have a key that nobody else can ever find, can ever uh, recreate, and so on. Um, so that's that's the theory of uh, TRNG chips and hardware wallets. And one last thing there that's really important is that none of the existing hardware wallets do uh, create the key the right way. Um, and why is why? that? Because, yeah, so one is because um, these chips have been standardized and certified, and what they have actually done is they have put backdoors in the chips. So... You can find this by doing a simple Google search. You will see a lot of articles on it. But actually, and therefore, again, you have a loophole that per, uh, prevents you from owning what's truly yours. Um, and the second thing that these um, solutions typically do is they, they give you a key. So they just say, this is your key. Uh, that's what a hardware wallet does today. And the issue with that is that um, that might, be, uh, might mean that they have a, a database with all the keys they ever made. And one day, they just do an exit scam and leave with all the keys. So these are the two remaining uh, problems in the hardware wallet space that prevent you to start ruling what is yours. And we actually resolve both issues. Wow. And how did this come That's up? That's the I mean, first step. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Ruben, how did you... So you're a pretty smart guy. So how did you come up with this? And how, how difficult was it to go from concept to execution? Yeah, so... What, what we told ourselves, three co-founders of Engrave in April 2018 was a very simple question, okay? Um, Xavier, you've lost $10 million in, uh, in uh, money from your uh, ICO because of a hack. Um, Ruben, uh, Edward, you also had problems with security. So which solution in the markets do we actually trust or would we trust with all our Bitcoins? The very first till the very last, um, is there anything in the market? And the answer was no. And that moment on, we said, okay, then there is only one thing to do. We're, we are going to build it. And we understood from the outset that we could never do that alone. Uh, we're three guys, even if you give us 10 years and we develop all the time, it, it wouldn't work. Um, but so what we did is we actually went knocking on the doors of all the best uh, players in, their, in the world for their specific niche. For example, we went pitching to iMac uh, two months after we decided to build the product. And um, iMac is the world leader in nanotechnology. So 
they accepted us in their tech acceleration program. After a few months, they actually started to co-develop the product with us because they were really convinced about our vision. And um, we also got in touch with World Leading Research Group for Cryptography. And eventually, right now, today, we have all of these amazing partnerships around Engrave behind us. Eh? So we are a team of three, but we have all of these amazing brains. Uh, one uh, that I definitely want to mention is Jean-Jacques Huiscoat, who is the second reference of the Bitcoin paper. Uh, so basically, one of the eight people that Satoshi Nakamoto himself referred to. And he's like he's like one of the most world-famous people when it comes to cryptography. He When he, when he um, understood how we wanted to create or make the key, he said, this is a project I want to put my shoulders under. Um, and so that's how he became one of our advisors. Fantastic. Um, but so long long story short, we have all of these partnerships with us to, to build something like this. Otherwise, we would never be able to do so. Yeah, it's remarkable. So how many hours a day? I mean, do you put in or how many hours a week do, do you ever get to turn it off? No, no, never. <laughs> um, I think the last two years was at least, let's say, 14 to 16 17 hours a day even on even in, on weekends um it was only like the last week of the campaign on indiegogo that um me and edward we we said let's look at a movie in the middle of the day and we just fell asleep and we couldn't we couldn't go anymore um so meanwhile we've recharged the batteries and we're we're going strong as ever but um yeah so it's 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 something you have to be a bit naive about as an entrepreneur i think you always have to be a bit naive because otherwise if you know that it's going to be five years that you're going to work like like crazy, nobody wants to start on something like that. Um, did so you yeah, know what you were getting? You I mean, you, underestimate. Yeah, I mean, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> did you did you know what it was going to take, or did you go to it? Yeah, we can do it. Like, did it ever hit you to go, man, Dustin? This, this was harder than I thought. Well, I'm I'm like the fighter spirit, you know. So I'm not I'm not the type that ever gives up, but. Um, I remember when I started Engrave, I was actually doing three things at the same time. So I was studying blockchain strategy at Oxford. I was working, uh, I was actually leading um, a big new platform for a bank. I was an, like an external entrepreneur, uh, like Robo Advisory. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Yeah. Um, so a whole platform, I had 100 people working for me. I was doing that blockchain degree on the side. And I actually, there was a previous customer of mine who wanted to launch something in Switzerland. And I said, yeah, okay, why not, <laughs> if, if I can help you. And then I realized that I wanted to do Engrave. So um, I was already working hard, but even then I couldn't, I can't compare the workload with what it is today. It is, um, it is a lifestyle and I don't want to do that for the rest of my life, but um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's challenging, but it's a roller coaster. One day can be happy and sad at the same time, but uh, I would do it again, yeah. And so give some advice to, to people out there that, that have an idea that they want to launch in the crypto space. I mean, is it the don't get into it, it's too too tough? Or how do they get started? I mean, that you know, this is so Actually, new. Yeah. How do they get into it? Yeah, that's that's really a really good question. And I think the answer, one of the answers I, I, I found was when you're not an entrepreneur, you're working for, let's say, a boss or the man, um, you, the only thing you see is like, where are these entrepreneurs? I'm, there's like not a single entrepreneur in the world, uh, only like people working for a boss. And the moment you actually make the switch and you become an entrepreneur, you only see entrepreneurs. It's, it's very strange. It's like, wow, everybody is an entrepreneur now. Yeah. Um, so you have a really big psychological um, barrier you have to go through. And it's, it's very strange to, to see that, that suddenly also like what I've, I've, I've started on a company at Engrave, which is one of the most 
entrepreneurial challenges I think one can think of. It's hardware, it's security and like top security, and it's crypto, which has yeah. a scammy name. And we, we started in the middle of crypto winter. So yeah, we were completely crazy. Um, there are way more easy things to do in your life. Yeah, and so I you're a smart recommend... guy. You could have come up with anything else, <laughs> but yeah. you chose this. Yeah. And and I, I think that, and th this is my opinion, that you chose really well. I mean, look what's happening now that, that governments around the world are starting to see it for what it is. And that is not a space full of bad actors. It's a space of innovators, people that want to make the world yep. better, that want to make the systems better that quite frankly believe that privacy is a human right, that you deserve, you've earned the right to your totally. own privacy and not for everyone to look at it. And, and I think there's this crazy idea that says that, that this person must be doing something wrong if they don't want people looking. I go, I want privacy. That doesn't mean I'm doing anything unethical. It doesn't mean I'm doing anything illegal, but that you should exactly. have privacy, that you should be able to put your money into a place and no one should have access to it. I mean, isn't that a given right? Or do we live in a world where it's not yours? It's somebody else's, in which case then, then just give it all away. Take it from everybody and redistribute it. I mean, isn't that the system right now that says, well, we want access to what you have. I go, but why? It's mine. Yeah. And if I've earned it legally, have earned it, worked for it within the rules, within the law books, that I should be able to keep it where I want it without you staring at it. That doesn't mean I'm doing anything illegal. Mm -hmm. So what are Is you seeing <laughs> in terms of the communities around the world? What sort of comments I'm seeing, probably good and bad, do you receive? Because you're right, crypto to many is very scary. To others, it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what we're playing is an enabling role. So we, we are here from the outset, we said we want to foster worldwide blockchain adoption. What are the biggest uh, issues? Some of them, uh, at least, were security and, and ease of use. Um, we want to enable people to basically be able to own their assets, to own their data. Um, so our hardware wallet is completely geared towards, let's say, managing your privacy. You can put all your um, personal data on it and make them and make them um, inaccessible to anybody else. Uh, the cryptography can also allow you to, uh, um, let's say, um, authorize or authenticate yourself without actually having to give any information. Like you could say, I'm I'm an adult, but they don't necessarily have to know I'm 50 years old or or or, or something else. Um, but so with engraved for us, it's like enabling role. Security has to be impeccable. It has to be a hygiene factor. People shouldn't be scared of entering crypto. People should say, I'm entering crypto. Because I'm it buying, is scary, Ruben. I will tell you, even it as a veteran, yeah. I, my peace many times gets taken away because all I get to hear outside is it's bad, it's yep. dangerous, there's bad human beings. And, and yet being a part of the community, seeing th these people actually want to make things more transparent. They want to develop these things called smart contracts and, and, and something called DeFi and and quite frankly, they, they want a lower fee so somebody can send money from point A to point B, from Africa to Uruguay or from exactly. Amsterdam to Australia and not pay 6%, not pay 5% to, to these banks and people in between. So do you see that how long do you think it's going to take for, for people to see it for what it is and something that can be beautiful? Well, I think it depends on how, how fast we can go in um, in removing those hurdles. And so I think one of the best examples that we really have to get rid of is if you go on your exchange account, so you log in, 
the first thing you do is you go and look at the balance and not to know like how rich or poor am I, but like, is it still there? Um, that's what I hear from everybody who ever, who ever had money on a crypto account. I do it as well, all the time. Um, and so that means there is a fundamental feeling of insecurity in basically being in crypto. And for us, it's something that has to be pushed out completely. It has to be a hygiene factor. Nobody should worry about security so that they can actually start adopting the technology, start using the cryptocurrency, which to, today they, they're mostly using only as speculators because the, let's say the other people, they just don't even dare to, to get into this space. Um, so I think that's, that's very important. And, and now, so the people that are in it, many people see the current technology out there, ledger, ledgers and, and other things, and think that that's good enough how do we find Engrave? How do we how do we look into it? How do we learn more? Uh, yeah, well, we have a website, obviously, which is uh, Engrave.io, um, and from there we can basically find anything. The shop. We have a blog with a lot of content. We try to write a lot about innovations. We actually um, bring a lot of innovations ourselves. So we also invented Engrave Perfect Key. Um, which basically resolves the issues like I talked about in the beginning. How do you make a strong key? And how do you actually go through the full end of the process? Because we haven't seen a single solution in the market that thinks end-to-end in security. Like what happens if I make that hardware wallet and I can yeah, do transactions, but then I lose it? Well, the answer today is a piece of paper or in some cases, a piece of metal. But again, if you lose it, it's game over. So we also invented the first recoverable backup, and we can even go beyond, um, uh, like you mentioned, smart contracts. We actually have um, invented a solution with Chainlink to um, posthumously recover your private keys so that your family can get access to your Bitcoin if you pass away. Um, so that's the whole end-to-end um, that, we, that we take in, in, in mind. Yeah. And I think innovations like that, you can find them on our blog. Um, and obviously, you have all the, the social media, but I would say the website is your starting point, and from there, you can uh, you can go wherever you want. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the Bitcoin.com podcast. <laughs> Thank you. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins. <laughs>